Good morning. I got to tell you that um, I had the best April Fool's joke ever pulled on me on Friday. Did you guys know I was off on Thursday? Yeah, you knew that, didn't you? Okay. All right. What they did was they came in my office on Wednesday night and they covered it with posters and messages from the BTS band. And you, that's just a small portion <laughs> of, uh, of what was there. Uh, I've, got, I've got another picture of the whole band here. I'm, I've become a favorite now. Um, did you guys know that they'd won over 100 music awards uh, in America and around the world? Did y'all know that? Did you know for the last three years, they've been chosen by the American, Google's such a great thing, by the American Music Association as the top pop band? I knew nothing about that and really don't really care anymore. But <laughs> it did heighten my, in my interest on why in the world would you do this to me, you know? Okay. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> um, I tell you what I liked best were these little messages that were also around my office. Uh, Johnny, we love you. John is our favorite person ever. Now, I get the, I get the feeling these are from song lyrics or something. Hey, now, you're a rock star. Do you, do you guys know that when my mother would say she loved me, she would say, Johnny, I love you? And, and I know that you guys were just poking fun and trying to get Tim fired. <laughs> but what you probably didn't know is that what you did for me has to do with what my sermon is about today. Because the message, you are a rock star, and even though I don't really believe that that's what you think, but, <clears throat> and that we love you, you're our favorite, that's God's message to us. That is, that is the message God wants us to hear above every other message. And the final stage of the Jesus-shaped life is to love like Jesus loved. To love like Jesus loved. To so experience God's love for us. To so experience that, that we are God's favorite person, no matter what we have done. To so experience that God believes that deep within us, we are a rock star that we'll want to share that with everyone. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, the Jesus-shaped person will let others know how much Jesus loves them. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may the petitions of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words. For all that I misspeak, Lord, corrected in our hearing. For all that I uh, don't speak, oh God, may you give it to us through the Holy Spirit. Hide me behind the cross, oh God, that, we would, that I, we would hear your word today for us. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke, there are three well-known parables. Those parables are sharing with us that God is searching for the lost because God loves us. God is searching for the lost because God loves us. The, the first two, the first two are about an all-out search. In uh, verses 4 through 7, we've got this shepherd who has a sheep that's lost, and he leaves the 99, he goes after and searches after the, the one that is lost. In verses 8 through 10, the, uh, the woman who's lost the coin cleans her house and and does everything that she can to search the house. In the third story, it doesn't look like there's a search. But as we examine what happens in the third story, it is even more incredible and descriptive of how much God loves us and will search after us in that love. So, these parables show, these three parables show us Three principles of the Jesus-shaped life of love. Three principles. First, the greater the danger, the greater the urgency. The greater the danger, the greater the urgency. It says, which one of you having a hundred sheep, losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And we often ask, why would he leave the 99 and go after the, the one? Because the one is in danger without the rest of the flock. It, and we might understand this if we were to think of losing our four-year-old daughter in New York City. Or maybe she has wandered away in the evening and the temperature is 10 degrees outside. We would drop everything <laughs> to find our daughter. I mean, it wouldn't matter about our schedule. It wouldn't matter about how tired we were. It wouldn't matter about whether or not the Cowboys were playing. I mean, we would drop everything, and we would, we would call the police. We would call our friends in an all-out search to find our daughter because she was in danger. And, and the same is true of this sheep. A sheep by itself can get lost, starved to death, is at risk as the dinner for, for, for a carnivorous animal. I mean, the greater the danger, the greater the urgency. Now, there's urgency in the search. Um, and for us in the Jesus-shaped life, sometimes it's hard to feel urgency to share the faith because some people look like they're doing fine. I had a seminary professor that called them the happy pagans, you know. But his point was this, that in everyone's life, no matter how satisfied or how well things may be going, there will be a crisis. There will be a crisis where the need for God's love and the need for the support of God's people is critical. The greater the danger, the greater the urgency. 
those who do not know that they need God are at an even greater risk than those who have realized it. Do they know how much God loves them and how challenging this world might be? I am absolutely convinced that that our narrative of the church has been stolen. People talk about the church, and the word that I hear most often is the church is judgmental. Do you hear that? That we're judgmental. <clears throat> and maybe we are. That's not who Jesus was. The Jesus-shaped life is one of love. One of unconditional love. So I ask you, what level of urgency do you feel for those around us who have not really heard of Christ's love? Number two principle. The greater the value, the longer the effort. The greater the value, the longer the effort. Jesus said, or what woman having... Ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. You know, it's always frustrating to look for something and not find it. Those of you who see me wandering around know I wear Bluetooth earpieces for my phone. And what you don't know is that there are three more Bluetooth earpieces in my apartment that I don't know where they are. And it's way too easy to go on Amazon and buy another one. Now, I'm convinced that all three of them are in the same place. And that they are, <laughs> that, <laughs> I've got a couple of other things that, are that I've also lost, and they're all in the same place. And if I can just find that place, I'll find everything that I've lost since I've been living in this apartment. But the woman had lost something significant. One-tenth of her wealth was lost. This is not like cleaning your house to look for a paperclip. It's, it's like losing a winning lottery ticket. She was going to clean the whole house until she found it. She was absolutely determined to do whatever it took to find that lost coin. So the question is, how valuable are lost people to us? Do we see the value? Are we satisfied to let them believe the narrative that the church is judgmental? Or in the Jesus-shaped life of love, are we, do we see the value in those around, them, around us enough to love them as Jesus loved them? Do I see them with the same eyes that God does? Principle number three. The greater the love, the greater the joy. The greater the love, the greater the joy. The greater the danger, the greater the urgency. The greater the value, the longer the effort. And the greater the love, the greater the joy. This brings us to the last of the parables, the parable of the prodigal son, uh, the lost son. It's one of the most well-known parables in the Bible. <clears throat> you've been around the church very often, you've heard it preached on, you've heard it taught on, um, and, and you know the story. <clears throat> the younger son comes to the father and he wants his inheritance. 
And the problem with it in that day is that to ask for your inheritance was, number one, it was impossible, okay, legally. It was egregious to even think about it. And it was, com it was like saying to your father, I wish you were dead. That's what the younger son said to his father. I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. And surprisingly enough, the father does. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us if the father knows, which I think our father knows, what is to come. That the son receives the inheritance. He goes not just to another location close by. He goes to another country. He wastes everything. He ends up living in poverty. And if you'll notice, as Cindy had read it, there is a point at which it says, he came to himself. He came to himself. And I, I truly believe that within all of us, there is a self in the image of God. There is a self that is connected to God. There is a self that longs for God. And that is the self that we as brothers and sisters in Christ who are long to be shaped like Jesus and to love like Jesus, that is the self that we are trying to reach. He came to himself, and when he came to himself, he realized, this is crazy. I could, I could go home and be one of my father's servants. He treats the, treats the slaves better than I get treated here. So he starts home. And we almost miss it. We almost miss it. Jesus says, but while he was still far off, his father saw him. We almost miss it. How would the father know that he was coming from far off? Unless he was waiting. Unless he sat on the porch or on the edge of the property every day, anticipating this is the road that my son would come back on. And I know that he's going to come back because I know that what is within him. And I love him so much that I know that he will return to this love that I have for him. And so daily he watches with anticipation for the son to come back. That's the way God feels about us. He doesn't let us go. He waits with anticipation. Father has been waiting, waiting, knowing and then when he sees the son, the phrase, he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And we almost miss it again. Notice the son says nothing before the father acts. The son has not said a word. The father has run out to the son, puts his arms around him. He kissed him. The word there for kiss is katafeleo, which means to kiss much or to kiss without ceasing or to kiss repeatedly. In other words, the father was kissing the son so much, so glad to see him, the son couldn't even speak. I mean, can you imagine doing something so egregious, so unforgivable that you, that, that you with fear and trembling are approaching the person to ask for forgiveness and they throw themselves at you with love and affection? 
I mean, just get that in your head. That's what God wants to do for us. That's what God is waiting to do for us. And yet the world says that we're judgmental. The, fun, the son does start to confess. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. Just make me a slave. And the father would hear none of it. He, re he returns the son fully back to the family. And he throws the most extravagant once-in-a-lifetime party that one could throw to kill the fatted calf. That's how much God loves us. And God is calling us to share that love with everyone we know. And I'm not going to deal much with the, with the older brother. But if you notice, the, the older brother doesn't get it. He goes, hey, daddy, I've been faithful to you all this time. I've, been, I, I've done everything you're after. I've stayed by your side. And my little brother is a brat. And you're doing this for him? So many of us get caught in that trip too, don't we? And maybe that's why people say about the church that we're judgmental. Because there are times, and all of us are guilty, I know I am, when we fall into that trap. Wait a minute, God. Look what I have done. And it's not about what we have done. It's about what God is doing for us. It's about what, how much God loves us. The mission statement of Jesus is in Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And how does he save the lost? By loving us. And the way Jesus did it, his methodology was to call 12. Luke tells us that he then sends out 72. If we take a look at the book of Acts, we know that that multiplication goes to 2,000, to 5,000. And the multiplication continues until we live in the legacy of that multiplication. Church, we are a part of that multiplication. And the Jesus-shaped life... The Jesus-shaped life is to experience God's love to the point that we can do no other than to love like Jesus. And God chooses us to be his messengers of love today, not to sit idly by, not just to come and be fed and go about our business, but to be the ambassadors for Christ Neil Cole tells a story about a court case in Massachusetts in the 1920s. The situation went like this. A man was walking down a pier, had to walk around this man that was sitting in a lawn chair. And when he did, he slipped and he fell into the water. He could not swim. His friends were up in the parking lot, saw it happen, and they 
ran down the pier. They were late. The man drowned. The family later sued the man in the lawn chair for doing nothing. It was called um, extreme indifference. I mean, he just sat there and watched the man drown. The court ruled that the man had no legal responsibility to try to save the man. Is that amazing? It may have been immoral, but it wasn't illegal. Friends, there are those around us that are drowning. They're drowning in aimlessness, shame, uh, selfishness. They think they have control of their lives, but the day is coming. And God has placed us in their way. God has placed us in the way of someone to be the love of Christ for them. The Jesus-shaped life, finally, is to know that love so deeply, so intimately that we can do no other than to share that love with others. Uh, Dave Ferguson uh, has a, a, an acronym of, of how to reach people called BLESS. And I want to I share this with you, but I want to make a point about it, okay? BLESS, and each of, the, each of the letters stands for something. BLESSED is begin with prayer. Before you talk to people about God, talk to God about people. Pray by name for the people around you at work and try to feel God's love for them as God has loved you. BLESSED. B. L is to listen. Get to know what's happening in their lives. Listen to their hurts, their hopes, their dreams, their expectations. E, eat with them. Bond, experience. Something that happens about breaking bread together. S, serve them as they have needs. Now, I want to I I point out to you Begin with prayer, listen, eat with them, experience their, their lives, serve them as they have needs. Haven't yet shared the gospel. Haven't yet shared the gospel. Why is that? Because we first love others and develop a relationship before the gospel can be heard. The last S is share your story of how Jesus has impacted your life. Share the love of Jesus. David Watson was one of my professors in, in seminary, and he taught a similar type of, of process of evangelism. And, and he said that if you build a strong enough relationship and you let people know how much you love them and, and they can see Christ in you, you don't have to introduce Christ. They will ask you. They will bring it up. They will want to know what it is within your heart that's making a difference. So, 
The greater the danger, the greater the urgency. The greater the value, the longer the effort. And the greater the love, the greater the joy. Jesus is looking for people to be a part of his search party. I thank God that I know the Lord. For God is awesome, spectacular, and splendid. Eternal because God has no beginning and no end. He is creator and sustainer of all things. He knows our thoughts before we think them. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. God is omnipotent. He is all power. God has been good to me and God has been good to us if we just let God love us. God picked me up when I was down, cleaned me up when I was dirty, fixed me up when I was broken, brought me in when I was cast out, filled me when I was empty, gave me hope when I was hopeless, gave me joy when I was miserable, gave me pardon when I was guilty, and gave me peace in the midst of chaos. So friends, as you come to the altar today to receive the body and blood of Jesus, to remember his love that took him all the way to the cross. Hear what those young people told me. You are my favorite. Maybe you didn't mean to, but I heard it. You are a rock star in God's eyes. Hear God say, I love you more than you will ever know.